Welcome to the Gregory Diggout Podcast. In fact, look at what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter four. I want to just read this to you before I get into my teaching. I just thought this word of encouragement for you in Ephesians chapter four. It says that we are no longer to be children in verse 15, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. He says we're we're supposed to grow up in verse 15. He said no longer. Verse 14, children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Everybody say grow up. Hey, tap your neighbor. Just you don't have to tell him grow up. Just tap your neighbor. All right. Yeah, because I didn't want you to make it. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Uh, But he says he says we're to grow up in all aspects in him or into him who is the head, even Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together. Look at what he says. The body, the, the church, the body of Christ, each local church. He said the body is fitted and held together by the pastor. Is that what it says? Come on, help me now. Is that what it says? The, 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 the church, the body is not it's not fitted and held together. Look at what he says. It's oh, here's what he says. It's fitted and held together by God. Is that what it says? Look at what it says holds the body together and makes the body fit. It's fitted and held together by what? By what every joint supplies. Now, I had a lot of joints in my life that supplied me with a lot of things. But that is not what this is talking about. A joint is a part of your body that connects two members of your body. So you have a, a, a an elbow joint that connects the forearm to the, you know, to, to the tricep or whatever, you know, whatever that part of your body is. The joint is the thing that connects each member. So we're not we're not holding things together until we're joined together as a church body every joint supplies. So when we're connected, there's always a supply. Oh, I wonder if we can study the Bible here for just a moment. When we're connected, there's always a supply. When we disconnect from the body, when we disconnect, you're still saved, you're still going to heaven, but then there's no supply. You see, every time we're, we connect, there's always a supply of teaching. There's a supply of healing. There's a supply of wisdom. There's a supply of God's provision. There's a supply of whatever you need because our God will supply. But how he does it is by us being connected according to the proper working of each individual part. So how many how many of us are an individual part of the body of Christ? All of our hands should go up. We're all we're all an individual part. You might be an ear. I might be a I might be a lip. You might be a, 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 a little baby toe. But look, when one member of your body hurts, your whole body hurts. Right. You go your rest of your body goes to protect and take care of and and heal and nurse and kiss that part of the body that is hurting. And so he says that, that according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. 
So we grow and we're built up and we're strengthened when each of us is a proper working individual part. Doesn't mean you got it all together. Doesn't mean you're perfect. We're never we're not going to be that until we get to heaven. But each of us is an individual part. And when we're connected and working and involved and, and serving and volunteering and giving, when we're all doing our part, that's when each joint supplies and that's when the body is fitted and held together. The body of Christ is wounded around this world because of poor leadership, because of people just following the superstars of Christianity, because people just like music sometimes and they're just focused on the worship. Uh, all of those things are important, worship and and prayer and all of those things. And 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 but what the where the power comes from is when we're connected to each other. We're connected by attending, showing up. We're connected by you know, sewing up by giving. We're connected by serving. We're connected by by growing up. All of those things happen when we're connected and the growth of the body builds itself up in love by that which every joint supplies. That's how the body is fitted and held together by every by that which every joint supplies. So like the neighbor, be, the neighbor next to you, them being here and you being here creates a joint. And the person on the other side of you creates another joint. And now our joints are working properly. Our body is fitted and held together. And ev when everybody does something, you don't have to be the pastor, but you can serve somewhere. Um, wow, it's quiet in the house of God today, like <laughs> silent night, holy night, you know, uh, so get plugged in, get involved. You say, I'm just checking this out. We'll check it out. Do what I do, whatever due diligence you've got to do. But we're we're here to serve. We're here to love. We're here to give. We want to go win souls. Our our teams out on the streets yesterday winning souls. Our team, you heard earlier, was out uh, at our at our block party in the city and we're winning souls and people are getting saved and people are getting food and they're getting groceries and they're getting clothes and they're getting And we're just here. The body of Christ is serving and we're held together because each of us is doing our part. Let's keep doing it. Amen. Amen. Let's just keep doing it. And if you're not involved, come on, come on in and join the party. Come on in and join the party. It's a celebration. Amen. All right. Well, so that's my word of encouragement. And I thank you for uh, letting us lead you. And, and thanks for letting me share the responsibilities of the leadership in this church with other team members. So you'll see other people, you know, receiving the offering, giving announcements, speaking. I don't want to do everything. I, I want everybody to do their part. I just the only thing I want to do is give you God's word, not that I'm not not that I'm you know not going to do some of those other things, but whoever's on this platform, receive them, whoever's receiving the offering, giving the announcement, pay attention and let's be a family. And that means anybody who who's at the table who has something to say, let them say it. And of course, all things decently in order. If you get up and you want to preach, you got to go somewhere else and do it. I'm preaching today. All right. But you, you get my point. You get my point. All right. Let's let's get into the Bible. You receive that. Yeah.
Lord, thank you for this body. Thank you for every member in this church. Thank you for every person exploring membership, thinking about joining here. Lord, I pray they would feel at home here. I pray there would be a spirit of family that would be filled with love, encouragement, building up one another, encouraging one another, strengthening one another. And I pray that every one of us would find our place in the church in Jesus name. Amen. All right, let's get into this. Shall we dig into God's word? All right. Open your Bibles once again to Ephesians chapter two, verse six. We're talking about being seated with Christ. Jesus gives us the greatest invitation. Sit with me. The invitation of a lifetime. Sit with me. The invitation of a lifetime. What does that mean to sit with him? Ephesians chapter two, verse six says we're raised up with him and we are seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So who is seated? Everybody that's born again has a seat at the table, has a seat with Jesus. This brings rest. We don't have to win the victory. Jesus has given us the victory. We, this gives perspective. We're not looking at things from the from from being the, the, the small fry in life. We're looking at things from God's point of view, being seated with him. This is this delivers us. This brings equality. Think about it now. See, being seated with Christ brings equality to all people. They're in this world today. Today, there are people who are who are fighting for equality and and I believe in the fight for equality. But Jesus won the battle so that we can have equality. Jesus raised us up with him so we can have equality. Do you know that there is no one in this room today and no one in this world today that is superior to you? You know, there's no superior race in this world. You know, there's no superior color. You know, there's no superior people group. You know, there's no superior anything, you know. And do you know also that you are not no matter who you are, you are not inferior to anybody. Did you know you're not inferior to anybody? You know why? Because all of us equally are seated. He has raised us up, say us. Does that include the person on your left, the person on your right, the person behind you, the person in front of you? Does it include me? It includes every person that is in Christ. Every person that has been born again is seated with Christ. We are seated. He's raised us up and seated us with him There's an us there. Emmanuel is God with us. There's power in us. But that bring that shows us there's equality. Do you know the solution to all that is going on in our culture and in our society? It's not the solution is not being a Republican. The solution is not being a Democrat. The solution is being a real Christian. That's the solution. And us bringing and us bringing that sense of of uh, confidence to other to our brothers and sisters. And so that all of us understand we're all equally raised up. So being seated with Christ brings equality. Nothing else is going to do it. There's no way that everybody's going to be equal financially. There's no way in this world that everybody is going to be equal in where they grow up or equal in what experiences they have as a child. Nobody's going to be equal in height. Nobody's going to be equal in weight. In other words, we're not all you, you might be as tall as somebody else, but no, there's no the world is not going to be one. There's not going to be equality in our height. There's not going to be equality in our color. There's not we're not we're all going to be different, but we're equal because we're all seated with Christ. Look at what he says here in um, 
Deuteronomy 28 in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13, he said, Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will be above only and not underneath you. The Lord is the one that makes you the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. Now, many Christians will read this verse and they'll say, yeah, I believe that the Lord will make that you the head and not the tail and above and not beneath. But it says if you listen to the commandments of the Lord, your God, if you obey all the commandments and observe them carefully. But we need to realize none of us are capable of obeying all the commandments. So that's why Jesus came. He fulfilled all the commandments. He fulfilled the law. And Romans chapter five, verse 19 says, so, you know, this scripture applies to you. God makes you the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. But you have to be obedient. But guess where your obedience is in Christ? He says in Romans chapter five, verse 19, for just as through one man's disobedience, that's talking about Adam through one man's disobedience, the many are made sinners. So we're all made sinners because of Adam's disobedience. He's saying every human being is made a sinner because of Adam's disobedience through one man's disobedience. The rest of us are made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one capital O that's talking about Jesus through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. In other words, we don't become righteous through our obedience. We become righteous through Jesus Christ's obedience. And the reason that I dig into that and say that over and over is so that you understand the promises of the Old Testament that are conditional to obedience. In other words, the promises in the Old Testament say if you obey all the commands, then you can experience this being being um, what did it say? The head and not the tail above only not beneath. That comes on the condition of of obedience. But it's not our obedience that gives us that position. It's Christ's obedience. It's Christ's obedience as a substitute for us. That doesn't excuse us to become disobedient, but it excuses us from being disqualified from the blessings because of our disobedience. Our disobedience does not disqualify us from the blessings because it wasn't. It's not our obedience that got us the blessing and it wasn't our disobedience that made us sinners. We didn't. We were made sinners by Adam. Adam made us sinners. Listen, folks, it's so important that this is the most fundamental truth in Christianity that is that is it's overlooked because so much of church is a spectacle. So much of of Christianity or churchianity in the world is a performance uh, it's sort of like, let's watch the preacher. And if he's really good or if she's really good, we'll go to church there. And look, sometimes sometimes I'll be really good and sometimes I'll be OK. You know, nobody bats a thousand. You know, sometimes I'm going to hit a grand slam and you're going to be like, well, that was the greatest teaching. That was the greatest church we ever had. And then sometimes it's going to be like, did 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 he walk? Did he can, can could he just get a walk? Could he just, you know, I'm going to I'm going to grind it out sometimes. It doesn't. But that, that's not why we're here for my performance. We're here to learn about what Jesus did for us so we can take our rightful place as sons and daughters of God and learn to learn who we are so that our behavior will begin to flow out of our identity and our sense of our knowledge that we are sons and daughters of God. That's why I keep belaboring this point. You did not become a sinner the day you sinned. 
you became a sinner the day the day you were born, because through one man's disobedience, everybody was made a sinner. So when you came into this earth, you already were a sinner because the blood of Adam was in your DNA. But just as that is true, even so, through Christ's obedience, we're made righteous. So once we're born again because of Christ's obedience on the cross, his life was obedient. He obeyed the law. He, he, he obeyed God, died on the cross as a substitute. So now, as soon as you're born again by accepting Jesus as your substitute, as your savior, now his DNA runs through your blood. Now you're the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what it means to be seated with him. And it gives us equality. It gives us security. It delivers us from inferiority. And today's point that I really want to get to is, is it gives us authority that being seated with Christ gives us authority. It gives us authority. Now, notice, let me show you what I mean by that and and break this down a little bit. Um, If you look at um, Romans chapter five, verse 17, we're already in verse 19. So let's go back to verse 17, where he says that by the transgression of the one, he's building on this thought or this whole chapter for by if the transgression of the one that's Adam death reigned through Adam, much more those who receive two things here, those who receive what the abundance of grace. What does it say here in verse 17? Those who receive two things. What's the first one? The abundance of grace. And what else? The gift of righteousness. They will do what? Reign in life, reign in life. This is all about our authority reigning in life, reigning over our fears, reigning over our sicknesses, reigning over our sadness, our anxiety, reigning over life rather than life reigning over us. And he says they they will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. He says through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Um, These things are gifts through Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in. um, Romans 8:32 and then we'll get into the whole concept of authority but you have to understand what gives you this authority is Jesus giving us the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and that's all free that's all free you say that's too good to be true that's too good of a deal it's it sounds too good to be true but it is true and it's a great deal and I'm taking the deal how about you he said he that did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him, with him? Who's the him he's talking about here? His the son, right? He that did not spare his own son. Did anybody ever hear of um, John three sixteen? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So here he did not that anybody who believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life for those that argue Well, there's got you got to you got to keep obedient. You got to keep being obedient in order to be saved, in order to stay saved. No, believe in Jesus. He his obedience is the substitute for your obedience to be saved. Your obedience is good because it's better to obey God than to disobey God, because there's there's there are more benefits from obeying God because he's way smarter than us than to disobey God. But none of that saves you. 
your obedience doesn't save you. It doesn't keep you saved by grace. We're saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the free gift of God, not a result of works. And somebody wants to argue about well, what about Hebrews chapter six? What about Hebrews chapter 10? All of those things are written to people that were under the law. That's why he's explaining to them the to the Hebrews, because they were people under the law. He's trying to shake them out of that. We don't have time to get into that for right now. Let's just say this. Here's my point. If he didn't spare his son, if he didn't hold, withhold his son, the Bible says he will give us freely all things. How will he give them to us? At what price will he give them to us? Freely for us, but it costs Jesus his life. But everything is free. It says with the son, in other words, with him comes like what comes like when you order something at a restaurant, oftentimes, what do you first say? Like what comes with that? Anybody ever say what comes with that? Sorry, everything's a la carte. Nothing comes with it. In some restaurants it's like eh, do vegetables come with that? No, you got to buy the vegetables. Uh, does French fries come with? Nope, you got to buy the French fries. Does does uh, coffee come with it? Does a drink come with it? Does wine come with it? No, you got to buy all that's individual. But but in Christ. With his son, he freely gives us all things too. Well, I think some of you heard me tell this story before, but this will help you understand it. You know, um, you, you, you know, the Barbie doll. You ever heard of the Barbie doll, right? We all maybe grew up with a Barbie doll or I didn't, but you might have. <laughs> But Barbie's got this boyfriend or husband, you know, right. They've got Ken, you know, you can, buy the, you can buy the furniture and all these things. So so uh, years ago, father was uh, on his way home from work and he he remembered it was his daughter's birthday and he hadn't gotten her a gift. So he drives by this toy shop and there in the window is uh, is these Barbie dolls. And, you know, Barbie goes to the beach and he sees the price tag uh, twenty nine ninety nine, twenty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. And Barbie goes uh, on a picnic and he sees the price tag twenty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Uh, Barbie goes to the theater twenty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Um, Barbie is uh, you know, Barbie goes to college twenty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. And then divorced Barbie is in the window, four hundred and ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents. So the man walks up to the manager of the store and says, like, explain to me why all of these dolls, all of these Barbies are twenty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. But divorced Barbie is four hundred and ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents. What's the difference? The manager said, oh, that's easy because divorce Barbie comes with Ken's car, Ken's house, Ken's cat, Ken's dog, Ken's furniture and half of all of Ken's money. With Ken. With Barbie, I should say, comes all these other things because of Ken. You say, what in the world does that have to do with us? Because with Jesus. We get all these things with him. The abundance of grace is getting Jesus and everything with him freely. But it doesn't come through a divorce in this case. It comes through marriage by being born again.
Jesus is now your groom. So you guys that were, you know, you ladies are that are single and you're like, when am I going to find my 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 husband? Jesus is your husband. Somebody somebody who's been through life said, stay with Jesus. Well, the good news is he's never leaving you. So you're in good hands and everything's going to be all right. You know, there's something very powerful about understanding our authority. I think um, I was reading an article a few years ago from a well-known, one of the most well-known newspapers in America, and it said, why isn't God stopping this? It was during times where there was a lot of lot of terrorism, a lot of a lot of mass and then we're still dealing with that in our country and, and around the world, mass shootings. And the article was all about if God was really, you know, if God was really powerful, he would do something about it. Why isn't God stopping this? Why isn't God doing something about this? And it caused me to realize here is a secular uh, newspaper that's asking the question that Christians don't even ask sometimes. And that is why isn't God stopping this? Because God has given us authority in life to a degree to do certain things. He's given us authority. God is not in control of everything. God has given us authority and responsibility over many things. Let me show you what I mean by that. In Luke, chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus says to his to his disciples, Behold, I have given you authority. I've given you authority. This word is power. This word is dominion. This means that you are above the things I'm about to mention. Behold, I give you authority. Look at what he says to tread upon serpents and scorpions. Let's stop there for a moment, because sometimes we read the Bible and we're like, like, when are you going to run into a scorpion? Right. Most of us have not had encounters with serpents and with scorpions. But think about the 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 common denominator between a serpent and a scorpion. They bite and they have venom that can poison you. And so what he's saying is now, if you can get a hold of this, that what anybody has done to you that can poison you, you know, betrayal can poison you. Uh, somebody cheating on you can poison you. Uh, somebody taking what's yours can poison you like bitterness can poison us. Unforgiveness can poison us. And what he's saying is and that this person could could talk nasty about us and that could that could bite us and poison us if we let it. But God is saying that no matter what bites you, no matter what sinks, it's poisonous venom into you, it's poisonous teeth into you. You have authority over that. You do not have to you do not have to die by the poison of somebody else's bitterness or somebody else's treatment of you. You have authority. Behold, I give you authority over serpents and scorpions. Now, does that mean does that mean just as He's just referring to poison. 
I think he's referring to anything because he's about to say it. But the point is, serpents and scorpions have that common denominator to bite and to poison and life will bite you and life will poison you and people will bite you and people will poison you and pain. Your past will bite you. Your past will poison you. And uh, what somebody does to you will bite you and and potentially poison you. But you have authority over that. You do not have to allow what somebody did to you to control your life. How you react to it is what determines how your life turns out, not the venom that they put in you, but how you dealt with the venom, like shake it off. The Bible says shake it off like you've got to make up your mind. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above this. I am above this. I have authority over this bitterness. I have authority over this poison trying to run through my emotions and get me angry and get me offended and get me mad at the world. No, 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 no. I will count it all joy when I encounter various trials. God is on my side. God is for me, not against me. This is the kind of authority that you have. You don't have to wait for it. You don't have me to bestow it upon you. I don't lay my hands on you for you to get it. I can lay hands on you and stir up what's inside of you. But it's in you because you're in Christ. It's already yours. Behold, this is not something he says I will give to you one day. He says, I have given you authority. I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And you say, well, I'm never going to run into those. Well, are you going to run into any of the all the power of the enemy? I think we all run into that. All the power of the enemy. All I've given you authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions. And in case you're wondering about other things and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall injure you. My God, we are not walking in this not because we don't have it, but because we are Christians are so ignorant of the power and the authority that has been given to them. So many of us lack knowledge, not here. You can't come here and stay ignorant about your authority. I'm not going to let you be ignorant about your authority. I'm not going to let you be ignorant about what God did for you, what Jesus did for you, what he says about you. We have to realize you can go to church and hear a great sermon. But if you don't leave there understanding your authority, a great sermon isn't going to get you through the next day. But your authority will. Your authority will. In fact, you know what your authority will do when you have authority, when you understand your authority, you don't have now. Do we have to obtain this somehow or is it been given to us? Jesus said, I have given you authority. And he said earlier, we went, we already went over that, that he said um, he said through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in life. We reign in life, not reign, R-A-I-N, Reign, R-E-I-G-N. It's a royalty term. It's a term of royalty. It's a term of authority. It's a term of ruling and dominion. We reign in life. Everybody say, I reign in life. So why, why then is life reigning over you? Why are you constantly defeated through depression, fear, anxiety, financial problems, sickness, disease, relational issues? It's not because you're a bad person. It's because you are lacking the knowledge of your authority and your rights or you're lacking the knowledge of how to to exercise your authority and how to exercise your rights. 
Guess what? That's all going to be covered in the next 20 minutes. You're going to be OK and you're going to leave here knowing you're right. And knowing how to use your rights. Because. No one. Is going to control your life ever again when you realize how much authority you have and nothing that ever happened to you is happening to you or will one one day happen to you. None of that can control your life when you understand your authority. It can. It can it can it can knock it can knock you over. It can it can give you a a punch It can give you a a kick in the you know where and it could it can do all of the the things that happen in life can they can they can shake you. They can affect you. They can delay you. But where you get your footing is not by nothing bad ever happening to you, where you get your footing and where you get your where you get your your strength is from realizing, wait a minute, a righteous man can fall seven times, but get up. He said a righteous man falls seven times, the Bible says, but he gets up. We have the right to get up when we fall. You don't have to stay down. You don't have to beat yourself up. Nobody has the power to beat you up. You have the power to get up. Proverbs 24, verse 16, I think is where that verse is. In case you're wondering, I think it's Proverbs 24, verse 16. A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up. He gets up. He rises again. We get to rise again. Why? Because we're righteous. Well, but I didn't do everything right today. Nobody did except Jesus. And that's why through one man's obedience, we are made righteous. So that we can do what? So that we can rise up, so we can get up when we fall, so we can pray with authority like Elijah prayed, so that we can lay hands on the sick and they can recover, so that we can speak to the mountain and it'll move, so we can walk in our God given authority and reign in life over our fears and reign in life over our problems and reign in life over what the devil tries to throw at us or what people try to throw at us or what's going on in our head. We have authority. We do not have to be a victim any longer and take whatever the devil and whatever life is dishing out. No, no, no. He can throw out all he wants. He can throw all the punches he wants. But Jesus has already delivered the knockout punch to the devil. It was a two hit fight. Jesus hit the devil. The devil hit the ground. And now he puts you in charge and gave you authority. Now you submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Wow. Whoever was whistling that loud. Wow. That's a whistle. I don't know if that was a whistle or a scream, but it sounded good. Then not again. OK, <laughs> just playing with you. All right. So watch this now. Go over with me to um, Matthew, Chapter 17. And on your way over there, let me t- let me tell you a couple of things. When you understand your authority, fear leaves. Fear leaves because, look, all fear comes from a sense of feeling like a victim of life and a victim of life circumstances. But when you realize that you have authority over the devil, you have authority to speak to the mountain, you have authority to speak to the dead bones and say prophesy to these dry bones and come alive and have breath in them. like Ezekiel did that with the in the valley of the dry bones. In fact, 
I'll get to that in a minute. But I want you to realize when you understand your authority, fear leaves. When you understand your authority, you have power over your negative emotions, like all negative emotions like anger, depression, um, all, all these negative emotions, uh, they come from a feeling of powerlessness. You know, so when somebody wrongs you, you feel like that thing that they did to me has power to hurt me. So you'll either get angry or you'll get depressed because you think that that thing that they did has power over you and you're powerless to do anything about it. Now, listen, the power you have is not to get even. You don't need the power to get even. You already have that. But that's not going to make you that's not going to it might make you feel better for a minute when you get even with somebody. They talk about you. You talk about them. They hit you. You hit them. I'm not saying not to defend yourself if you were attacked, obviously. But my point is, is when somebody wrongs you, getting even does not solve it. When somebody wrongs you, what solves it is knowing that you have the power to walk into your destiny without anything that anybody did to stop you. Nobody has that power unless you give that to give that to them. People only have power over you based on your permission. You gave them permission to make you mad. You gave them permission to make you bitter. You gave them permission to make you offended. You gave them permission by giving by believing that they what they did has more power than what you can do about it. You can forgive. You can bless. You can cast your care on God. You have so much power. And the most importantly is that you can realize what they did to you. It's powerless when you realize that you've got the power, love and a sound mind that God has given you. Therefore, you don't have to live in fear. So when you understand your authority, fear leaves. When you understand your authority, negative emotions are subside, you know, they subside. You're not in control by your emotions are not in control of your life when you understand your authority. When you understand your authority, the devil backs down. When you understand your authority, you can pray the way that you were created to pray, not begging God, not pleading with God. There's nowhere in the Bible that it says to beg him or to plead with him or to make a deal with him. The Bible says Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain. And it didn't rain for three and a half years until Elijah prayed again and then it rained. And and what does the Bible say about that? It says the prayers of the righteous avail much. But every time I mention this verse, somebody will leave here and say, well, my prayers don't avail much because I'm not righteous all the time. Hear me. When the moment you're born again, you are the righteousness of God forever, forever, forever. Can you lose your righteousness? No, because it wasn't given to you by earning it. It was given to you because Jesus became obedient through one man's obedience. The many are made righteous. 
That's what you're made. You are that. Now, nowadays, you can change anything about yourself with technology and with, with medicine and with with science. You can change your color of your hair. You can change the size of your height. You can change, you know, your sex like you can do all of you can go through all of that uh, uh, sex change operation, uh, hair transplant. I'm not putting those in the same category. I'm just saying you know, like <laughs> what I'm saying is you 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 will never you could you can act unrighteous. You can you can you can do unrighteous things. I'm not encouraging you to do that. You can think unrighteous thoughts. You can have an unrighteous attitude, but it does not change the fact of what Jesus made you through his offering, through his sacrifice and through dying on the cross and becoming sin on the cross we now become the righteousness of God. So guess what? When you understand that, you can pray with power. Just like it says in James five, uh, 17, Elijah was a man with nature like ours. The prayers of the righteous. He was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and did not rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again. Verse 18. Then he prayed again and the sky poured rain and the earth produced fruit. Why? Because somebody prayed. And verse 16 says the prayers of the righteous, the prayers of the righteous will accomplish much or avail much. Now, now go back over with me to Matthew, chapter 17 real quick. Matthew, chapter 17, because here's what I want to show you um, in Matthew 17. It's the, 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 the moment that I want to take you to is called the transfiguration. It's when Jesus takes Peter, James and John to this mountain and there he's He's transfigured in front of them and they and they see his white. His face is white uh, and it's just a miracle happens. So let's look at it. Uh, He goes up to the high mountain with Peter, James and John, verse one, verse two. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. And Peter answered and said, Jesus said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking. Peter didn't know what he was saying. He's trying to say Jesus and Moses and Elijah all are the same or they're all equal and 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 that he can make a tabernacle for all of them. But while he's speaking about that, a bright cloud overshadows them and behold, a voice out of the clouds said three things. And I want to zero in on these. The voice out of the clouds said three things. This is my beloved son talking about Jesus, because Peter's saying Moses and Elijah and Jesus, you guys are all the same. You guys are all prophets. But no, God interrupts him from heaven and says, no, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So three things that 
God identifies about Jesus. He says, number one, this is my beloved son. This is Jesus Christ's identity. He's the son of God. This is his identity. He's the son of God. He's the son. He's the son. He's the son. God doesn't treat him as uh, a stranger. He's a son. He's his son. He's his son. He's his son. This is my son. That's his identity in whom I'm well pleased. That's his affirmation. Jesus, the father says about Jesus, I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with him. I want Peter. You, I want you to hear this. James and John, you guys need to hear this. I am pleased with my son, Jesus. Jesus hasn't died on the cross yet, but God says, I'm pleased with him. I am well pleased with him. And then the third thing he says, that's his affirmation. And the third thing that God says is listen to him. That's Jesus authority. Listen to him. He's commanding everybody around him to listen to him. He's commanding everything around him to listen to him. Why is this so important? Here's why these three things are important. What are these three things? Identity, number one, affirmation, number two and authority, number three. Why are these three things so important to you and I as believers? Identity, affirmation and authority. Well, first of all, you, you will not be able to walk in your authority until you understand your identity and until you feel affirmed the affirmation of God, then you'll walk in your authority. But here's what I want you to see. If you go over with me to first John, chapter four, first John, chapter this make any sense to anybody so far. First John, chapter four. Watch this now. He says. In verse. First John, chapter four, verse let's start in verse 17, by this love is perfected with us that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because here it is, because as he is, as he is, so also are we. Now, first of all, who's he talking about here as he is talking about Jesus, right? The whole chapter is talking about Jesus and the love of God through Jesus Christ. So he's clearly the, the subject here is Jesus. The person here is Jesus, because as he is capital H, as he is, that's Jesus, as he is. So are we who's we us. So are we. And then the next part, when we get to heaven. OK, let's move on. Let's go to the next verse. Should we go to the next verse? Is that what it says? Because as he is, so are we when we are sinless. So are we when we die. So are we at the day of judgment. No, we'll have confidence in the day of judgment. But as he is, so are we where? In this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Well, what does what are those three things that define what Jesus is? He is he has his identity as a son. He's a son. That's his identity. He's affirmed that his he's, God says, I'm well pleased with him. That's his affirmation and approval. And then and then God says, listen to him. That's his authority. And guess what? As he is, so are we. What is he? He's a son. So we're sons and daughters in him, right? And what does God say about him as far as affirmation and approval? I am well pleased with him. Listen, you might think some days I'm pleasing to God and some days I'm not. 
What pleases God is you believing on his son. The Bible says without that, it's impossible to please God. It is impossible to please God without faith in the son. Simply believing that Jesus is the son of God, simply believing that Jesus died for your sins, simply believing, simply believing that Jesus did it all. Is well pleasing to God. You don't have to perform. You don't have to cross all your T's and dot all your I's in order to have God's affirmation. And once you understand your identity, you're a son or daughter of God, your affirmation. He is well pleased with you right now. Then you can walk in your authority. And God commands all of this world to listen to you. When you go back in that verse in Matthew 17, verse five or six, wherever that is, he says he announces God announces from the cloud and everything within the sound of his voice, he says, listen to him, listen to him. And as he is, so are we. So guess what? God has announced to the devil. God has announced to the mountain. God has announced to the sickness. God has announced to the cancer. God has announced to depression. God has announced to anxiety. God has announced to fear. God has announced to all the demons in this world. Listen to them. Listen to them. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. So guess what? Everything in this world has to listen to you. You have authority. So in order for it to listen to you, guess what you got to do? Speak up. Stop taking it and start speaking up and saying to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and speaking to that sickness. I command you to go and prophesying to those dry bones. I command life to come back in you. And everything has been told and commanded by God to listen to you. There is a jurisdiction that any person in a position of authority has. So a police officer in America can't go to Canada and stop traffic or arrest somebody. He has jurisdiction or she has jurisdiction in the region that they have been given authority. And in this life, this world's system, all the power of the enemy, and anything that could bite you, poison you, injure you, harm you and all the power of the enemy is under your jurisdiction. But you're going to have to speak up because death and life are in the power. The word is authority, the power of the tongue. I just don't understand why I keep having this problem, why this keeps happening to me, why this keeps you. You can't understand it because you keep talking about it. Look, there are Christian people. They, they're saved, but they just would rather blame everything on God and attribute everything to God because they think that gives God glory. What gives God glory is you being who you who he created you to be and you operating in the in the realm that you were created to operate in 
That gives God glory. Not you saying, well, you know, why didn't God do anything? Because God gave you a tongue. God gave you authority. God gave you jurisdiction. God gave you the promises. God gave you the sword of the spirit, death and life. Hey, he's not saying if you just if you just if you if you talk about if you speak death over somebody long enough, they'll eventually die. They have authority over their life. You don't have authority over their life. He's not he's not he's really not using that word in a negative light. He's using it in a positive light. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's why Jesus cursed the fig tree and said, may no one eat from you again. And it withered up because that was him using his words to bring death to something that wasn't bearing fruit and then bringing life. When Ezekiel prophesied to the dry bones, he brought life to those dry bones. You can bring death to this to the sickness in your life by speaking to it and commanding it to die, command every cancer cell in this body to die. That's that's death and life in. The, and I command healing to flow. That's life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Some things we're supposed to kill with our tongue, like fear, like worry, like anxiety, like sickness, whatever is under your jurisdiction, serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. He has given you that authority. Some Christians get afraid of that. Oh, I, I'd rather God do it. He, he he'd rather you do it. And if you don't do it, he's not doing it. Because he whatever he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Does, does this make sense? It doesn't it doesn't mean that God isn't in control of of many things, but we have to differentiate between what he's in control of, like when Jesus returns, what gifts that he has given each person. Those are things that God is in control of. But God's not in control of what you eat. Oh, man, I, I tell you what, I ate that. I ate those 15 brownies because the Lord made me do it. The Lord made me do it. The Lord is in control. Really? He's in control. So he he made you eat all those. It was his authority under which now guess what? Eat as many brownies as you want. Your body is under your authority. You see how we get so religious sometimes like God is in control of everything. And yet if you just if you just have a bunch of children, and don't teach them anything and don't teach them how to live. That's they're not God's fault. Oh, Lord, I can't. Lord, take these kids back. Or I'm going to give them to you soon. <laughs> they keep at it. I'm going to I'm handing them back to you, Lord. <laughs> or your husband, like the Lord said till death, you know, the, 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 the preacher said till death do us part. So I'm killing you right now. So death can make us apart. <laughs> No. <laughs> but you're in we're all in the situations of life that we're in because life deals cards sometimes life deals some unfairness sometimes. But we have authority to do something about it. We have authority to forgive. We have authority to get up when we fall. We have authority to speak to the mountain. We have authority to speak to the sickness. We have authority to speak to the dry bones. 
this, this, this kind of authority. It's yours. Jesus said, behold, I've given it to you. I've given you authority. Sit with me. Reign with me. Speak what I speak. Call forth those things that I've promised in my word. You have the tools, you have all the equipment you need. And you know what that does is it frees you. From blaming anybody, shaming anybody and feeling powerless. All the days of your life, you've got power, you've got authority. Walk in it. Talk to it. We talk about the mountain. God said, talk to it and it will obey you. Why? Because you did everything right. No, because you're the righteousness of God. Hey, podcast. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If this message has blessed you in any way, we'd love for you to share it with your family, your friends or anyone that you think would enjoy these amazing teachings. And also make sure to subscribe if you haven't already so you never miss an episode.